It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, America. This is Billy Jones, author of Everyday Folks Books and the creator of Everyday Folks Radio. I thank you so much for listening to this show, March 20th, 2016. The purpose of this show, BJ Speaks, an interview with, provides an opportunity for individuals who are everyday individuals to get a spotlight and a chance to share their lives and their incredible journeys. Some of the individuals that I've interviewed over the past few weeks are folks you probably may have not heard of, but others may be pretty popular. But nonetheless, they make up exciting, everyday individuals who are making things happen in their respective lives. And it is because of those individuals that we here at Everyday Folks Radio continue to grow in terms of our listenership. And I'd like to thank you so much for all of your continued support and also helping us reach a milestone as of last week's interview with the amazing Scarlett Aguayas, who was our Everyday Folks Women's History Month honoree, we were able to hit our milestone mark of over 1,200 listeners logging in on their mobile devices around the globe. So I thank you so much for your support in recognizing the great work that she's doing, and as well as above all the work we're doing at Everyday Folks. So this particular year is a very special year for me because as not only is the fact that it is the launch of the show, but it also is an opportunity for me to celebrate the great work that I'm doing with the great individuals who I meet on a weekly, if not daily basis. So as the year unfolds, I'd like to share the spotlight with those individuals and give them a chance to have their stories told right here. So continue to listen every Sunday at 3 p.m. for these amazing stories. And if you'd like to call in at any time to speak to me or any guests on the show, the call-in line is open. The number is 347-539-5372. Again, that number is 347-539-5372. Also, if you like to email your comments, you're welcome to do so at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that email address is everydayfolks, with an S, listen at gmail.com. <laughs> this week is a very, very busy week, in fact, for, for me at the institution of which I work. Broward College, we are celebrating the second annual 2016 Music, Film, Literature, and Arts Festival. And the purpose of this festival is to celebrate all of those respective industries of the humanities under, in, in a three-day window with amazing activities, lectures, and spoken word act, um, events to provide an opportunity for students, speakers, faculty, and the staff a chance to come in and share what they feel and to express their, their, their lives whether it be through published works or unpublished um, documents. So I really hope you'll partake in those events if you're hanging out in the Pembroke Pines area in Miami and Fort Lauderdale, actually, in the Broward County area. You're welcome to come and seek us and to take, to take in some of the activities that we're doing. More information about those activities are provided on my author page, which is at www.billypauljones.com. Again, that's www.billypauljones.com. Dot com. This week, I will be interviewing an amazing author, your colleague and friend of mine. Her name is author Nikki Nasir, and author Nikki Nasir has wrote an incredible memoir titled Golden Bangles and Hidden Tears. And just to give you a little taste of what, is, which, what it's about, I'd like to provide you the bio that is printed on my webpage and also available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and any other places where the book can be found. Here is the bio of, the, of this incredible book. Author Nikki Nasir, author of Golden Bengals Hidden Tears, paints a haunting picture of a young Pakistani girl's life. 
It chronicles her journey from Burma to Pakistan and ends in the U.S. From a young age, Nasir rebelled against chains of religious and cultural rigidity. She had witnessed the rebellion of her two sisters. One of these sisters stole her two young daughters and put them far beyond her reach. Nasir often wished she had been born a boy. It is a remarkable testimony of a tormented, optimistic young man's unbreakable spirit and tremendous courage to become an outspoken defender of women's rights. Anyone with an interest in human rights and the struggle to overcome hardship and suffering will find this book at once distressing and heartwarming. And I share with you that I had the honor of reading this book and also hearing the amazing Nikki Nasir speak at other events. And I will tell you, she is a very moving um, and a very um, enrapturing speaker, not only from the work, but also not afraid to surrender parts of her life and who she is and what that means. Because once one puts a book out there, especially when it pertains to your life, the comments and the opinions start. And they immediately start at first with the local, at the local area with the family. So it takes a very special person to rise beyond that and to see that this particular storyline could be an incredible platform for individuals who are struggling with their own circumstances, especially as it pertains to subjugation. This month is Women's History Month, and Women's History Month is an opportunity for us to celebrate the amazing contributions of women around the world. And if you haven't done so already, do take part in many of the festivities. There are things taking place, whether it be in your employment, center or location, or in, as well as in the community. Do partake in those events. But today, above all, I appreciate your taking in the interview with the amazing author, Nikki Nasir. Nikki, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm sure you heard that bio and you've read it and heard it many times, but I have to share. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have to share that. When when you decided to write this book, you have an amazing title. What grabs people immediately is the title. And so, but in, even more so, I'm sure that the experience that to, to talk about the book, it's been out for some time, and you've had an opportunity to saturate it well in America, and now you're taking it to international territories. So I really appreciate mm-hmm. your taking the time out of your busy life to come in and talk to me about what you're, what you're up to and this incredible work. So just so that you're aware, folks call in and email, so I'll be controlling those from this end. And I actually have an email that's coming in right now, and it's it's from uh, uh, Cynthia. Cynthia, she's emailing in from Virginia. She's saying, congratulations, Nikki. Um, great book. I've had an opportunity to read it. And so I'm sure you hear comments like that very often when people, not only they get to meet you, but they also em- embrace the book which is truly the ultimate goal is to make sure that people are reading and capturing the story as you told it. So, so Nikki, what's your background? My name is Nigat Nasir, but I'm known as Nikki Nasir. I came to America in 1974 as an immigrant after I got married to my first cousin in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Wow. Your first, you said your first cousin, first generation cousin. Yes. Wow. And so as in your particular in, in your culture, I know that this is also expected. It's part of the it's part of the, the ritual, the tradition, is it? To have an arranged yes. marriage? Yes. And was it preference. was it something was it something you wanted or is it something that you automatically understood would occur as you entered your womanhood or approached it? At that time it was just automatic. I don't have to, you know, understand, but I knew it's a culture and it will be done this way. Amazing. Amazing. And how long have you been living in the United States? Last 42 years. Wow. So you arrived You arrived here. I know in the book you arrived here after you were married, 19, actually. Yes. Mm-hmm. After I got married okay. in Pakistan, and then we came in 1974. Okay. In 1974, in a time in which and you arrived here in Miami, correct? Yes. Came direct to Miami. Wow. No family, no friends. No family, no friends. <laughs> How was that Just, experience? <laughs> it's very exciting. And looking back, 
I don't know how I did it, how we survived. But wow. being in America, you know, I mean, you can do anything you want. So that was a good part. What motivated you to write this incredible book? Well, from the very young age, I observed that women were brutally abused in our culture, and I was horrified at that age. During my education, I learned that in Islam, women are more right-given than any other religion. So I became Mm -hmm. bold but confused because I was not allowed to ask a question against women cruelty in our community. Mm-hmm. Then living in America, now living in America for the last four decades, I realized that I have a golden opportunity to bring awareness among oppressed women through my story. Also during my English language class at FIU in Miami, after reading mm-hmm. my essay, the professor suggested me to write a book. So that was another reason. So, so parts of the book began to surface in the assignments you were provided in class. Just Very like you gave me a goosebumps. You should you must write a book. Oh. That's amazing. And this is also you're learning English as a you're you're looking at English as a target language. So here you are yes. trying to make that impact acculturating in the language aspect, but yet you were able and even in, in your learning to be able to transmit the emotion and the experience, which I which is very incredible, Nikki, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so who is your target audience? As I read the book, I'm a male. I've read the book. And as you know, I'm very open-minded and I stand firmly against any type of oppression and particular, mm-hmm. of course, very on a, a female and women's subjugation. So who is your target audience? When you wrote this book, who, who did you hope would be the yes. target group? Well, my audience is every man or woman throughout the world and especially mm-hmm. the oppressed woman and the free woman because oppressed woman will learn and free woman will appreciate her freedom. Mm. I think that's something we take for granted. When you arrived here in America in 1974, actually that was the year in which I was born, <laughs> and when you <laughs> arrived, you 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 arrived yes. in a very different setting. There were There were many differences, would you say? Different, yes, definitely. What were some of the things you can recall that was immediately different culturally here that you did not um, experience or was different from where you were previously? Well, the first thing I was very excited, not excited, but confused about looking at the hippies. I thought they were beggars, but then I learned that they are not beggars, they are hippies. That's the way they ripped their jeans and they have a bandana on their forehead. So that's the first thing I still remember to this day and so many other things. But the atmosphere was very welcoming. Americans were very happy to see me. They admire my dress. They admire my language. So it was a completely different time for Muslims. Mm. And I know whenever I see your picture, whether it be on the back of your book or any of your your photos for the press, mm-hmm. you're, you're seen wearing the beautiful yellow garb, yellow um, right. regalia that you wear, which has become your trademark, actually, would you right. say? <laughs> <laughs> and so it's true. People see you. I mean, it, it, it's, I mean, the color itself, the color yellow is very symbolic. It, it has several mm-hmm. um, impacts, that, and we want to go into that. But I think it's so mm-hmm. remarkable because, because it's become your brand. And I know that whenever you do your presentations, you're also dressed in within your particular cultural identity, which I think is so beautiful, and it helps further the message. Um, as, you. as you, you know, as you write the story here, you have characters in this book who are really compelling. I mean, I'm I'm talking from the perspectives of from your sisters to your mother. Which character in the book was the hardest for you to write about? Well, my eldest brother, it was a challenging for me to describe his character properly. I'm still confused about his attitude toward us. He was a religious man. He was a hardworking mm-hmm. businessman. But mm-hmm. I don't know why he was so much, he had so much hate for us sisters. And he was so controlling. And even to this day, I ask myself this question, why? Why? But you know, I try to convey his character in the book, which is was very difficult. 
But is, is he still, after reading, is he, after reading, I realize I describe it very properly. You do, and, and is he still alive today? No, he passed away last year. Wow! Unfortunately, he passed away so, last year. Interesting enough, you were not able to ever get that closure in that sense. In yes. terms of that, you know, the rigidity. Because I, when I read the the dominance of his character and the impact on you women were the women of your family, that is, it was just so mm-hmm. amazing. And I, and, and I think you painted that so graphically and so descriptively that it even mm-hmm. made me, it made, it, it made goosebumps stand up on my end because I started thinking, <laughs> could, someone, could someone so strong of a character actually exist? And I'm sure your answer is yes, you lived it. Yes, yes. You lived it. So mm-hmm. for those calling, listening in right now, I'm with the author, amazing author, Nikki Nasir, author of Golden Bangles, Hidden Tears. If you'd like to call in, the number is 347-539-5372. Again, the call-in number is 347-539-5372. And our inbox for at, here at Everyday Folks is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. And, Nikki, we do actually have a caller who's on the line. I'm going to bring them on the air. Caller. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Yes. Okay. Maybe we don't have a caller. We have some music going on in the background. But nonetheless, <laughs> I do have an email. And the email is coming in from Mindy from Manhattan, New York, Nikki. And her yes. question is this. Are you involved in any causes in other countries outside of your own country, meaning U.S., as they relate to female oppression? Well, I go give a lecture in in Pakistan. First of all, uh, thank you, Mindy. And I working going to colleges, universities in in Pakistan, which is my native country, but no, not so far any other, but Florida or Washington D.C. And so, in fact, coming up in the next in the next few days, you're going to be in Pakistan, right? Yes, I am leaving next uh, next four days going to Pakistan and uh, regarding a book tour of my book and a couple of uh, engagement for speaking at the colleges and one of the best universities in Pakistan. Okay. And and while you're there, you're going to be, how long will you be there? At least three weeks. Wow. And in that time, you're going to be making your rounds and, and all in the support and discussion, not only about the book, but yes. about the topic it, that that is at hand which is the yes. female oppression and women's rights. Yes. And I'll be visiting point. some villages. I will be really visiting some villages where I can go and visit small, horrible conditioned schools to see the girls how they are doing. And, and Nikki, are you, yes, you're, you're born there. Are you prepared for any challenges or do you anticipate any challenges while you're there? Yes, but... But when you are willing to do, it doesn't matter what kind of challenges you face, you are ready. Mentally, I'm prepared. I know what kind of condition I have to face, but but I have to do it. It's my, it's, it's a love to do it, so it doesn't matter. Hmm. Very good point. I think that a lot of folks represent me, you epitomize some of the other great who are, who are tr- what I call transformational leaders individuals who are not afraid to stand against status quo in order to help arrive or appeal an issue, to stand for the rights of those who are unable to speak for themselves. And as a a result, transform not only their communities, but the world. So I salute you for that, because that takes a very special person to do that. The theme, so I have a question for you. The theme of female oppression is well understood in your book obviously. What other mm-hmm. messages are embodied in the book? Well, I call it two controversial topics, Pakistan and Islam. Country okay. Pakistan is deteriorated politically and religiously due to the Cold War against Russia for more than a decade. Mm-hmm. Almost every country in the world supported Pakistan to join the extreme extremist Afghani fighters to defeat Soviet Union. During the war, 3 million refugees migrated from Afghanistan to Pakistan. Mm -hmm. What happened? 
The result is here, Islamophobia spread throughout the world. Mm. Why? Because, because of not enough knowledge about the proper teaching of Islam. I will proudly say Islam is the religion of peace, but it's, it's wickedly represented by the extremists. So you can see what's going on throughout the world. Very interesting. And, and you're absolutely right. It is a form of cultural and racial profiling that is taking mm-hmm. place. And we see that today um, since post-9-11. In America, long as you are aware, there's been a heightened disinterest or or disregard, I should say, for those who may celebrate the religion. And I think that's a problem, Mm -hmm. especially in a nation of second chances, where this entire nation in itself was built by immigrants. And so to be able to come here and yet deal and endure these kind of challenges in a new form it's almost it almost begs to ask I almost beg to ask the question, which is, where are we ever safe? And so you speak mm-hmm. to it too. And and Nikki, this issue was taking place forty years ago in Pakistan. So this is not the, nothing new to you. Correct? It's no it's been no, the Pakistan was completely different, but then after since the Cold War started in nineteen seventy nine, mm. gradually Gradually, we see all this deterioration, and now you can see throughout the world. Wow. Very amazing. As you were writing this book, Nick, how did you organize yourself? Because I know as a writer for me, I especially in writing, I write short stories, as you're aware, and I've written a couple of novel works that I've yet to, I haven't yet to publish those works, but they exist in form. But how did, how did you prepare? How did you get started? Well, it's uh, writing a book is a lengthy project, and uh, being a first-time author, the difficulty I faced was uh, to create, creating a, you know the flowing draft. You can write it, but you have to make sure the story has to float. You know I mean? Right. So that was a challenging for me to create the flowing draft. Otherwise, story was already in my mind. You know, so mm-hmm. it's my story, my life story. So story was there only. You have to put it on the paper where people can read it and enjoy it. It's, I mean, it's the flow. Flow is very important in the book. That's very true. And keeping a sense of time order, because as you said, there are several episodes that you feel that you need to hide and celebrate within the storyline. But also there is a an expectation. You want to keep it true to detail. Or do you feel that there are some moments when you probably forgot certain moments of your life, and then as you were writing this, you started thinking, "Wait a minute, this didn't happen this way," or "Or wait, I need to change this because this happened in another form." Did you have those challenges in terms of memory? Oh, definitely, definitely. It's a lengthy process. It took me four and a half years to write a book because once you write and then rewrite and rewrite and rewrite, and then you change the idea and then. I mean, it's a lengthy, and you have to have a discipline to write up. So you keep on trying and keep on changing until you're satisfied. Mm. And 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 you re you reinforce what I tell my students all the time that writing, even when it's done, even when it's in print in front of you, when you look back, we we authors are our own worst critic. So as I open up Everyday Folks Volume One, I sit and I cringe sometimes at some of the stilted writing or styles that I have in some of the stories that I've written, because I know I've evolved. I'm a different writer today than I was 14 years ago when I first produced it. And so I'm sure you're, do you find moments like that when you're, when you're looking back at your own work and you start reading? Yes, definitely. And I realized that I could have, if I write it today, I could have write it completely differently. I mean, because Mm -hmm. it's time to time and day to day, thing, writing. You see, when you write something in the morning, it's different than what you write in the evening. But practice makes perfect. It does. And also, I I always tell writers, especially first-time writers, they should get involved in a community of other writers who can support them. And it doesn't have to be other writers who are well-published, which is always great because they can give you further business insight. But just being in a community of other independent thinkers, because it provides support in terms of 
uh, the writing process and where it's going. So for those of you who are tuning in right now, I'm talking to the amazing Nikki Nasir, author of Golden Bangles and Hidden Tears. And at any time you'd like to speak to us, you can call us at 347-539-5372. Again, that number is 347-539-5372. And the inbox is open too for those who may want to just email their responses or questions. And that email address is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, it is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Nikki, we actually have a couple of callers on the air, so we're going to see if we can bring them on. Hello, caller. You. you are live on Everyday Folks Radio, and you're speaking to BJ and author Nikki Nasir. Who am I speaking with? This is Michelle. Hi, Michelle. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am well. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Miami. Wonderful. What question do you have for Nikki? Go ahead. Author Nikki, it's wonderful to hear your story. And the question that I had is, I traditionally come from a culture where it's, it's very private and you don't normally expose things that are happening in your family or private issues. And so it must have taken a lot of courage to write the book. And the question I have is, did you get backlash from your family? And did you think about that before proceeding with uh, writing the full book? Hi, Michelle. Thank you for asking me a question. Definitely. I knew it from the very beginning what it would happen after writing because, like you said, and the culture where I came from is a very prejudiced community. But I knew the challenge. Then again, I said, what is done is done to me, but I don't. I want to stop this cruelty further. So I was bold enough to write. And being American, I went bolder than what I was at a young age. And I didn't. I realized that I will face all this criticism and family. Some like my sister and mother was proud of me, but the brother and his wife was opposed to it. But I wanted to bring this out in the public so we can stop further cruelty. Yes. Yes. And and I I applaud your 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 courageousness for that because a lot of people before they write a memoir a book are, are really anxious or or a little nervous about that so I I thank you and I very much look forward to reading the full book and the full story thank you and thank you so much for calling in Michelle and for your time all right thank you great show. And you see, Nikki, there are folks who are listening in, and they're very excited. Every time, and I've known you for a couple years now, every person who is touched by you, there is one thing special that you do. And then your first lecture about about four years ago, I recall you were bringing, you had a beautiful video or visuals that you provided in PowerPoint to, yes. to tell your story. And as you told the story, you were also prepared. There was a, a deep, you, you tapped a deep place inside of you where you, you were teary eyed at time, but it didn't, it didn't fall. You didn't falter. You persevered in your message. Um, and, and I find that very amazing. Does that happen every time? Whenever you tell these stories? Believe it or not, every time when I go, I said to myself, this time I'm not going to cry, but believe it or not, Every time I talk about it, I feel like I'm 15 again. And I feel like I indulge in my soul when I'm talking. And that time was so painful that I can remember to this day. I feel like it happened yesterday. And mm. tears come into my eyes. So if, if we could, I don't, I don't want to make you feel that way now, but I know this story, having read it and also seen you speak about it. What mm -hmm. part... If you could just give us a little taste, you don't have to read if you wish, but if you could just tell a little part of a, a, a situation that that would make you feel that way. Well, I remember when I turned 15 and I went to my mother's prayer room. She was sitting mm -hmm. on the prayer rug and she she asked me to sit down and close the door, which I did. And I, I was on cloud nine. I was so happy that I'll be going to college very soon. And mm -hmm. she held my hand in her hand and she said, look at me. I'm not supposed to look at her because it's not respectful. And she said, I listen to me. You're not going to college. And this is final. Subject is closed. You're not supposed to ask me another question. I said, you're not going to college. 
could you imagine how I felt? And even I, today, it gave me goosebumps thinking about it, how, how she said that and how I handled it. But then again, like I said, either I live or die, but I will go to school. And my mother was a tough lady, but I was a fighter too. So mm. finally went to college. But that scene, I never could forget that how how she was sitting in a prayer room and uh, telling me that you will not go for education. Even Prophet Muhammad, the first time uh, Angel Gabriel came and he said the first letter in in Arabic, Ikra, it means read. That's mm-hmm. the first word in Islam. And here, a Muslim woman telling her daughter, you're not going to school. But I know she was hopeless. It's a culture, not a religion. Mm. So Very good point. I think the power of education, what you just shared is, it reminds me again and again of the value of education today. Frederick right. Douglass talks about it in his narratives. We've had individuals from other in other um, groups, other cultures, also speak about the power of knowing. Even the Jews during the Holocaust, there was a there was a subjugation of these amazing people, and the first people who were annihilated or exterminated from the community were those who were the lawyers, those who were the doctors. They were separated, and why was that? Because they were educated, and because mm-hmm. the, the expectation is, the more educated you are the more compelled you are to take action against whatever you may be enduring. And I think that in itself, the lesser, if you, if you are less educated, you're more likely to succumb to the expectation of the day. It is mm-hmm. a form of, it's a, it's oppression. And it is a, a, a mental, there's a mental um, tactic to it as well, because it keeps people conforming to a standard, would you say? Yes, very true. And it, it it brings us to a question, actually, from Yolanda in Atlanta, Georgia. And her question, by the way, Nikki, comes in through our inbox. Thank you, Yolanda, for listening. And her question for you, Nikki, is as follows. Did you conduct any research for your book? Where did you start and how did you stay organized? This is her question? Yes. Well, the story I had it, but then I had to went on Google or read many books, especially mm-hmm. read Islamic book, because before I write anything, I must make sure that what is what are the facts, because right. you cannot be you cannot be writing whatever you feel like writing. You have to find out the facts and which are the true facts. So I read many many religious book. I call many mullahs and ask their ask my questions and once I was satisfied I describe in the book and I quote it that the verses are the number of the verses and place of the page number of the page in the Quran where anybody can check what I said in the book. So it's a lot of hard work. Writing book is not a easy it has to have a discipline and a lot mm-hmm. of detail and search and then you complete your mission which is comes in a form of book. Absolutely. And as you were creating this, I know when I write my own works, even when I'm writing short stories, I have a timeline that I actually draw. I have a, a whiteboard in my home office. And on that whiteboard from time to time, I like to draw things. And I write my stories, for instance, stories that I'm working on, stories that need to be revised, radio show thoughts and ideas. And I visually place them in a place so that as I'm going through my about my life, not just writing, but also as a professor as a significant other, et cetera, I'm reminded and I'm keeping true to what I, the focus of, of what I'm working on so that way I'm able to truly get the best me out in my literal world. Do, do, how do, you, do you have any little tricks or tips that you have in terms of staying well, organized? My, my, yes, my, um, the way I wrote the book, this is a first-time writer, I had no experience, but Every morning after my morning prayers, it was my ritual. I sit mm-hmm. and write for a couple of hours and then every day, same time, same, and then keep note of it, that what is my, what, which part I'm going to find and search and read. So I go to the libraries, go on Google, read religious books like I have, and then I study even Quran, Quran, in, which is translated in English and Urdu because now being living here for a long time, I feel when I read, 
go on in English and Arabic, I understand better. So I try to understand that what I'm writing and what is about to write. So every day was my plan for the same chapter that I was working on, and I go from there. Well, it's very apparent that any writer, I love what you said, because every writer sometimes is apparent that they need to stay focused. You have to make time to write. And Definitely. every day you should be writing, if not reading, if not both, it's even better. <laughs> but it's important that you're writing and, and, and sticking to it. Did you ever have moments when you had writer's block? No, not yet. Oh, wow. That is amazing. Because I, I know many writers face that, especially when you have other noise out in the world. Your life, life happens. And, and, and somehow you have to find that balance, that healthy balance in order to do the art and celebrate and, and commit to the art as well as celebrating your life and handling other responsibilities like working, paying bills and things like that. I know right. you're, in your book, you mentioned that you and your your husband, you arrived here in 74, and I know that you had a business. You started a, you started a, a business here in America in order to support the family. Yes. We, we first came to America and started working, and then after saving money, we started our own business and mm-hmm. opening several franchise Dunkin' Donuts stores. And we started from Miami, and then we had several stores throughout Florida. So it was Amazing. a hard work. But, yes, now being a retired person, I'm a substitute teacher. I'm a real estate agent. Mm-hmm. But a book is my priority. So when I was writing a book, I stopped everything. I didn't go for school or I didn't go for real estate business because book was my my baby. Mm-hmm. Now it's completed, so I have plenty of time and I'm doing all other duties what I'm supposed to do. And matter of fact, I'm even busier than before going to giving lectures. I have been to all the Dade County, Broward, and Palm Beach County public schools where all my work is volunteer. I go and give a lecture to the girls, especially Women of Tomorrow Club, to give girls the idea that education can take you the long way. That's beautiful. Beautiful, Nikki. Nikki, you have a question. You have an actual um, comment and a question coming in, and it's from LaShonda, and I'm going to read it to you. It's in my inbox. It says, greetings. Thank you, Nikki Nasir, for sharing your story. As a high school social studies teacher, we often talk about world issues. One discussion is understanding how to separate religious cultural practices versus religious fundamentalism. What message do you have for students who have a narrow media-influenced perspective of Islam? Well, it's a, the problem is the religion of Islam is a peaceful religion, but the way we repre- represent it, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, I, never, I never take any criticism or any pressure personally because what we see was safe. So the best thing to do is we have to understand where it's coming from, and what is the reality. And reality is, especially about religion of Islam, is the one basic book, which is Quran. Mm-hmm. And through the Quran, through the Quran, we can read and we understand, and there's the answer. We don't have to take it personally. We don't have to take it pressure from anything. Because if, I, if someone says something, because maybe one of their family member got injured, injured by Muslim, so definitely mm-hmm. there's a pain. And mm-hmm. I understand that, but narrow-minding is not going to work. We have to understand the situation and study. One thing I will, all, like I'm saying over and over, Quran is the answer. When you study religion, Islam, you will see how, what difference what the way we Muslims are acting. Why I say Muslim? If somebody said I'm a Muslim, he is he's like brother or sister to me. But then again. If I'm not representing myself properly, mm-hmm. what happened? Everybody come under that attack. Right. So this is my message, that be be bold, try to understand, try to learn, and there will be answer for everything. Thank you. And, and, and to follow up on LaShonda's wonderful question, thank you for listening, LaShonda. I would think also for her as a middle school teacher, her kids, that's the kids in which she instructs, they were born after 9-11. And so I always like to look at 
the 9/11 as a it's a it's a it's a a milestone event that that has shaped and transformed America, and and it did it in this way. Anyone born after it, their introduction to Islam is all it's automatically going to have, in my opinion, a skewed notion of what it is because they're only going to be seeing it from the perspective of its impact on our nation. That is, if they were born in America, and so. Definitely. What you present is very true, and I think that probably is a challenge for her. And that is how do you make the, how you make students, especially at a, that that impressionable age, see beyond that those boundaries, and to and celebrate diversity. We often say that we we celebrate diversity, and yes, living in Miami, you and I know this well. Miami is diverse mm-hmm. in many aspects, but even still, there are subcultures, and that's expected in any community. So it's not that it's, mm-hmm. that's a bad thing. But I think as a, right. the difference here is that people are more likely from different communities are more likely to live beside one another and it not be of, of, of a major challenging concern as it would be in other cities, which lends itself for the conversation, opening the, the dialogue to differences and celebrating it. But it takes time. Mm-hmm. It takes there is time a question. There's a, there are a couple more questions coming in, Nikki. And for those of you who are listening, we're down to the last 20 minutes of the show. If you'd like to speak to me or, above all, amazing author Nikki Nasir, you can call us at 347-539-5372. Again, that's 347-539-5372. And you may send your comments at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. That's everydayfolks, with an S, listen at gmail.com. And, Nikki, here's a question coming in from Chad, Chad from Fort Lauderdale. He asks, Okay. What writers do you enjoy, Nikki? And what do you do in your spare time? Uh, thank you for asking me, Chad. How are you doing? Uh, I I enjoy reading, um, I don't remember, Nafisi, Irani writer Nafisi. Mm-hmm. I know him well. There's a there's an author of uh, 10,000 Splendid Sun and a mm-hmm. uh, kite writer culture really beautifully and my spare time I'm I'm a lecturer I go school to school university to universities anywhere I'm invited to give a lecture about women rights and women abuse and the proper teaching of Islam because I'm a Muslim and I'm Mm -hmm. proud to be a Muslim but then again I wanted to present myself the way one Muslim should be and I'm a substitute teacher and I'm a real estate agent so my life is quite busy, but I'm enjoying every minute of it. So that's amazing. I hope Nikki, I, I have a question. <laughs> no, my follow-up question to Chad's question is: What is your definition of success? Well, what a good question. <laughs> the whatever you whatever your challenge is. For example, you set a goal, and mm-hmm. to me. Success is when you attain goal, and mm-hmm. you want you become whatever you want it to be. So once you accomplish that goal, it means it's you are successful. Mm-hmm. Well, you know it's well, a lot of folks like to measure it in monetary value, and it's not all about the dollars. It's all about the impact. And when you're operating your talents, I say this all the time. So when listeners probably hear me say it so much that they could probably recall in their own lives. But I mean what I say. I try to preach what I practice, what I preach, and that is, when you operate in your talents and you share those with the world readily, people gravitate towards that. They are impacted by that. They want to be part of that. And I say that for you too, Nikki. What you're about is amazing, and how you and I met is actually quite interesting. You and I, <laughs> you sent an email to me uh, to the college. Do you remember this story, by the way? <laughs> for how long? For how how long it took me to get to you? Yes, Two years. I remember this. <laughs> oh gosh! And you know I laugh now, but and I've always felt and I, and I apologize because you know we we communicated readily because you when you got to me you were very grateful because I was able to help you oh, yes. navigate and get in. This, but you had been on a on a on a, a crusade to get acknowledgement and to actually get an opportunity to lecture. And I was at Miami Dade College yes. at the time and. And I was a department yes. chair. And I remember getting your email in my inbox, and I said, hmm, this is very interesting. 
And considering I was also coaching history on campus at that particular time, and I just thought it was mm-hmm. just an amazing opportunity. I love what you had to offer. The story was not there yet because you were still writing the book. It was still in production. Yes. But mm-hmm. I felt that after our conversation on the phone, I felt very interested and I felt drawn to your story and I wanted to be a part of this celebration. And so mm-hmm. I remember that that was, you're talking what, six years ago, more or less, five or six years ago when that occurred. And what's yeah. become of it? I look at you now, I can go to YouTube and I see you. You're in interviews. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know her. <laughs> and I, and all jokes aside, I find that so amazing because did you ever expect for you to be where you're at right now? Did you expect all this? Never. Even the speaking English is a big deal for me. When I go talk to the students, I yes. tell them, I'm talking to you in English. Where, how did I learn the English? Because of education. And I never thought, but the, but one thing I will I should not say admire, but I'm a fighter. I never mm. give up. I keep on trying until I accomplish my goal. So that's what happened. I even got Billy Joan on my side after two years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And I and in what you just share, it also we can add that to the definition, <laughs> your definition for success too. It's never giving up. It's yeah. persevering. Even when the the storm clouds have they are brew about us, and you're getting yeah. drenched, that umbrella may even be turned upwards, and you're getting drenched with life. Even still, you press on, and I, I admire that about you. So, who is your role model, Nikki? There are a lot of folks in the book. You mentioned some of some. Your mother, for instance, played an integral role in your producing this work. Who are some of your role models? Was she your primary role model in terms of inspiration for this? Or not just in the book, no, but in terms of your life? My, my gentle, loving uh, businessman, wealthy father, who embedded the love of uh, you know education in me from the very childhood. Mm-hmm. He was my role model. And I always heard, he used to tell my mom, I will send all of my six daughters to school to become educated. So... His, the, the roots were, you know, I mean, from him. And he, I just followed his, his dream. And his dream mm. was my dream. Amazing. You know, Nikki, you have a qu- couple comments coming in. They're, they're pouring in here. And this is from Mario from Fort Lauderdale. He says, to me, he says, I had two Pakistani students last year, and they explained to me that their father opposed them to have male classmate friends. Their culture rejects boys and girls to intermix in school settings. Obviously, this is a cultural custom back home. So now here's the question Mm -hmm. to you, Nikki. How can we educate parents about the diversity in America without crossing cultural boundaries or traditions from their native countries? Well, the fear of parents is uh, not to cross the line. When I say not to cross the line, you can be a friend, male or female, it doesn't matter. But then again, parents don't want these Pakistani girls to have a boyfriend before mm-hmm. the marriage because mm-hmm. you don't want to cross the line. You don't want to let yourself go so easily. You know, there's mm-hmm. a standard. So girls should keep that standard. But having a friend, male friend, studying together or going to the movie together is not a, a you know, and you cannot refuse. But then again, you have to know what is your boundaries are, what is your limits are. You don't want to go without looking at the daytime and the nighttime whenever you feel like it. You have to protect yourself and mm-hmm. protect yourself too. You mean that's the only fear parents have. And mm-hmm. instead of explaining, they always, according to our culture, tell them no, no, no. Parents should explain to them why we do not want you to do certain things. So this way, children will become more closer and I will not tell the one student name on the radio, but mm-hmm. after giving my lecture, she convinced her father to let her go to the school, and she is a public speaker now in Switzerland. And the principal told me last Friday when I was there to give a lecture, and she said, that girl who was crying listening to your story, now she's in Switzerland, and she's giving a lecture like you do about religion of Islam and the women rights in the world. So there's wow. a boundary. We cannot cross the boundary. So this is my 
my advice to all the Pakistani students or Pakistani women, don't cross the line. Enjoy your life. Well said. And, I, and Mario, thank you for listening. Mario closes his email to you, Nikki, by just a statement. It says, as a teacher, this has been challenging in the public school setting. I oppose female oppression and support equality among all cultures and backgrounds. Thank you, Mario, for listening. And there's another question for you, uh, uh, for you, Nikki. There are actually four more, so I'm going to try to get them in in the next 10 minutes. This next question okay. comes from Anike from Miami. Thank you for sharing your amazing story. And this is for you, Nikki. The book's title is very interesting. What is the sto- what is the story behind the title? Golden Bangles Hidden Tears. Mm-hmm. When I I want to add something to it, when I sent the first book to Malala Yousafzai, the Nobel Prize winner, her father called me, and he said I title gave me tears in my eyes because in my culture, some women are loaded with gold golden bangles or golden jewelry or golden nose mm-hmm. ring or diamond mm-hmm. nose ring. But when they are abused by their husband and in-laws, they are not allowed to cry louder. They are not supposed to tell anyone. So what happened? Your your tears are always hidden. So I picked that title. You are loaded with gold, but again, you are not even allowed to cry louder to tell mm. your real life story. Wow. That is very symbolic and and a great question from Anike. And I also have to say, you had a Nobel Prize-winning writer or author call you, and that's yes. that's that's amazing because that that that's a serious nod, Nikki. Congratulations to that. There's another Thank question you. coming in from Lillian in Miami, Florida. Lillian asked the following question: I've been thinking about writing my own memoir for the past five years, Nikki. I'm not a writer, nor do I have a college degree. What should I do to start? The first thing, go to the library, have some books, how to write the books. And then after reading, you will have a pretty much idea how to start and where to go. Mm-hmm. And if you have further questions, I will give my email address and you can check with me again any time. I will let you know what else, what is next. Thank you so much. And in fact, a lot of folks are going to want to stay in touch with you, Nikki. So... For those of you who are listening, on my author page at billypauljones.com, I'll be providing a link under the um, on the page titled Who I'm Supporting. You'll see the web link at the top of the page. And there I'll place a link to Nikki and her Facebook where you're able to communicate with her thoroughly through, through there and any other mechanisms that she provides. A couple more questions, Nikki, and this one's from Richard in Miami, Florida. He, he asks, can you return to your country after writing this book? Are you a political exile? No. Because one time when I was on ATV, which my video is on YouTube, mm-hmm. someone called me and they didn't like the idea of being talking about America so happily the way America, I've been treated in America, but I'm not a politician. I'm only a writer. I yeah. only describe the way I was treated back home in Pakistan till the age of 21. And then I talk about America, the way I was treated mm-hmm. in America, the mm-hmm. age of 62. So I'm not a political person. I'm just telling the story. And I'm just preaching about Islam because I tell the proper teaching of Islam. I always use emphasize on the word because everybody can be Muslim. But the proper Muslim is different than every Muslim. Mm-hmm. So... I don't think I didn't say anything wrong or I did not challenge anybody because I'm not a mullah. I, I did not, you know, you know, listen saying any fatwa. I'm, I'm telling all the facts which is given in the Quran. Only I'm transferring the information from the Quran into my book to let everybody know what the proper teaching of Islam is and where should we learn the facts of religion. Absolutely. And Nikki, you mentioned already in the next few days, I believe next week, you're going to be on a, an international tour in Pakistan for about a month. Any other projects, such as any more books in the works? Because you've already have a lot of attention. I'm planning to write a second book, but uh, it will be very soon. I'm going to be mm-hmm. starting. But meanwhile, my goal is to 
I have a book tour which I'm going now to Pakistan mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to go some some universities and some colleges there. Mm-hmm. And here I have a I have another project coming in next week on 23rd. I'm going to be Broward College and Broward College in Miramar as a public speaker to talk about my book. And and as you know, I and am the so public teaching. I'm so grateful, and I get to spend a day with you. <laughs> so for those of you, what, what Nikki's referring to is true. This Wednesday, March 23rd, as part of the 2016 Music, Film, Literature, and Arts Festival at Broward College, Miramar West Center, which where I live, um, and as well as at the South Campus, my home campus, there will be a lecture from 11 till noon in the first floor cafe area of the Miramar West Center, which is located in Miramar, Florida, in the building shared with Florida International University. And then following that, immediately at 1240, I will be whiskey Nikki away over to the Pember Pine Center, uh, campus, uh, South Campus, to the Performing Culture Arts Center, where she will be engaging with students there with the same lecture. And so, Nikki, what an amazing opportunity for us and I have one last question here, and it's from Maria in Clearwater, Florida. And she asked, okay. you kind of answered it, but I'll still ask it. It goes as such. What other places have you visited to share your book? So you mentioned, um, you're, you're obviously back home. You mentioned regionally here. Any other places as well on the map? Yes, Washington, Georgetown University in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. University of Miami, uh, library in Homestead. There's a mm-hmm. list goes on and on. And in Pakistan, I went to UCP University in mm-hmm. uh, Beacon High School, so many Commerce College. So I have been to so many different, different places and list goes on, goes on and on, mostly like high schools. Mm-hmm. And I've been to so many places for the last five years. And like I said, all my work is voluntarily in all the educational institutes. Absolutely. I have to share on your Facebook, when I I went to your Facebook recently, and I saw you were in a group of girls. They all took a picture Mm -hmm. of you. You're standing so beautifully in the center of them, and they're all wearing their their school uniforms. And in that picture, I felt that you were like a campfire. You were sitting in the center, and everyone was involved around you, warming by you. And I have to say that is such a remarkable picture, but it's one of many that is found. And Nikki, I want to say thank you for all of your time and your commitment. You're de- committing time, number one, to speak to me here on BJ Speaks on Everyday Folks Radio. But above all, to the amazing work that you are doing to transform this world, to rid itself of some of the societal ills that continue to plague us in a 21st century evolving world. And I am so proud thank of you. you. You know, I'm Team Nikki, so I will always be have your back in all the work that you do. And folks, for, thank, you. Know, thank, thank you for your time. And we will be having you back. This is not the last time oh, we'll be chatting, my friend. <laughs> I will have you back on air. You know, months from now, Thanks. we'll come bring you back in to see how things are going and to help promote your cause through the Everyday Folks platform. Yeah. Thank okay. you so much. Thank you. And thank you for giving me all this opportunity to be Absolutely. at the radio, be at the college. And thank you again. And You're thank you to welcome. listeners who are listening, and thank you who asked me all these questions so I can explain in my power properly. Awesome. Well, we will be in touch, okay? You take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, folks, what you just heard was an incredible, another incredible interview with the author, Nikki Nasir. And Nikki, Nikki's very special. If you don't, if you haven't had a chance to pick up the book, please do so. It's available on Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, anywhere else books are sold. Again, it is titled "Golden Bangles, Hidden Tears." And in this story, Nikki chronicles her incredible life journey as as she moves on from from Pakistan to America in a time a time where there was much post political turmoil. What's amazing about it is that she's not afraid to speak her truth. And I think very often we find individuals who like to talk the talk, but necessarily can't walk the walk. And Nikki does a great job in doing so. Thank you so much for all of your support. In fact, the questions, I can't wait to to, to read the analytics. We've had quite a few questions and comments. Thank you for the callers who called in or attempted to call in. I saw you in my queue and I'll do my best to get you next time around. 
But above all, thank you for your continued support for this platform and what I'm doing with my own work. Mickey helps me, and through our help, we help change the world. We inform the world through our art form. So thank you so much for listening to everyone. Tune in next week at 3 p.m. for another amazing interview and for additional programming. Until then, take care and have a great afternoon. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.